we made it this far. Good job, everyone. If this is your first time, well, we're about halfway done, I think, so. <laughs> welcome, welcome guests, special friends. Uh, we welcome Ryan and your family and friends who are here with you tonight. Wonderful to have you all with us. Today's celebration, we once again are invited to become witnesses of the resurrection. In the gospel, we hear not so much the voice of Christ himself, but the testimony of the eyewitnesses of these events. When we read the accounts of Luke, which we read tonight, and John, which we'll read tomorrow morning, when we read their accounts of the empty tomb, we see these events through the eyes of Mary Magdalene and the other women, Peter and John. We discover the empty tomb as they themselves did. What is our response to the testimony of the early church? Has the resurrection account instilled in us a supernatural faith in our Lord? Supernatural faith is a gift. It is given by God, but it begins when we give our assent. Yes, Lord, I do believe. I do believe. When we have this faith, which is greater than what our nature alone can attain, we begin to find a freedom to live from this faith. In a sense, it becomes natural to us to live by what nature alone cannot achieve. If we read John's account, where Peter and John run to the tomb, they come to see the sign which Mary Magdalene has told them about. And while others remain skeptical, these two apostles hurried to the tomb to investigate. They did not yet believe that Christ had risen, yet they felt compelled to go and see the tomb and see this sign for themselves. They both went to the tomb and saw the same sight. Mary's report is true. The tomb is empty. And if the body of Jesus had been stolen or simply moved, it's unthinkable that the burial cloths should have remained. The thieves would not have taken time to unwrap the body, especially uh, because of all the spices and everything would have made those cloths stick to the body, nor would they have taken time to carefully roll up the cloth that covered his face. These minor details would have struck the apostles and the other eyewitnesses as proof that something unusual indeed did take place here. The witnesses left pondering what it all meant. What does this mean? In their very hearts, they were beginning to consider what, whether it was true. Could it be that Jesus had really risen? The mystery unfolds bit by bit. The evangelist is careful to include details that help us in our own quest to know the truth. We are left to draw our own conclusions tonight. It falls to us to accept or reject the testimony of Scripture, to affirm or deny the eyewitness reports of the early church, to perceive or not, in the church's 2,000 years of testimony, a truth that changes our lives. If Jesus did in fact rise from the dead, then reality itself changes. Death no longer marks our final end. This changes our existence from a finite one to an eternal one. And this truth, despite the passage of time, remains an important event just as ever. Every generation needs to hear this important message. We need to recapture the grand scheme which Jesus' resurrection unveils. Whether people believe in God or not, whether they are aware of it or not, we are all looking for something to live for. 
We're all looking for something to hope in, something worth giving ourselves to. Faith in Jesus Christ gives us all of these and much more. Once again today, in this celebration, Jesus speaks through his church. He invites us, each one of us, to become a witness to hope, a witness to the resurrection. The Lord invites us to discover the truth that he has risen from the dead. And because of this, we too can cheat death and share eternal life. What does my life testify to? What do people encounter when they interact with me? Am I a convinced Christian, a true follower of Jesus? Is my life different because I know Jesus? In a world which so often operates out of fear, in a society that is skeptical often of the Christian faith, we are challenged to live as witnesses to our belief in the risen Lord. Now, over the last two years, we had a great opportunity to give a witness of our hope in Jesus. We had the chance to show our Christian unity, to show that we love as Christ loves, to be a body of believers that testifies to the secular world that we do have supernatural faith in Jesus, and that we are not afraid of death, and we won't let fear be our guide. You might ask, how well did our faith in Jesus shine forth? How did we do? Were people inspired by our witness? Were hearts converted by the love they saw reflected in our midst and by our example of Christian charity? While those who haven't had the fortune of knowing Jesus have been searching for hope, we, my dear friends, have had it within our grasp. Now, of course, it's inevitable that individual members of our society would have different responses and different ways of trying to manage or cope with the pandemic. People are wired differently. They respond differently. We are all different. We are all in different places in our life. No doubt the last two years have been an eye-opening experience for all of us. In a time of crisis and unrest, we were likely made aware of particular weak points within our own selves which lay hidden, and the time of the pandemic certainly brought about into full view some rifts within our society, within our parishes, within our own selves, within our families, and perhaps created others we didn't see before, things that we never imagined would divide us. We might also have become more aware of our own personal strengths and weaknesses. It may, be, it may be well be that regrettable words were said or harmful actions done. To be honest, I know there were divisions among us. I felt it here and everywhere, in our country, in our church, in our community. I recognize in myself, in the flock, that we didn't always stand out as a shining example of Christ's love or his mercy. This was not unique to this community here. And I don't bring these up to your attention to shame you or to renew those divisions, but perhaps we can see a parallel between our own situation, our own experience, and that which occurred to the followers of Jesus during the Passion. They too, at the moment of great testing, operated from a place of fear. Their harmony seemed to fall apart. It seemed that Christian 
the Christian movement was doomed before it even began. Yet, after he rose, Jesus returned and restored his followers. He healed the rifts that had appeared under the stress of the passion. The Lord called them to receive a new life. He gave them faith so that they became fearless. Jesus comes into our midst today and he invites us to be restored, to heal our divisions, to ask for a changed heart, to seek forgiveness, to have patience with the faults of our brothers and sisters, which we see very clearly, to renew the call to be one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic, centered on Christ, and to give witness to the world around us that Jesus is present here. He is among us, and that we are his followers. We too can turn that corner and become witnesses to an absolute faith that no matter what comes, we believe in the resurrection. Death is not to be feared. No earthly trial can dampen supernatural faith. So Jesus' invitation to us today, this night, is to come and follow him, to receive a new heart. May the divisions and the hurts which we have experienced be healed. Come, brothers and sisters, come and be renewed in the tender, loving heart of our risen Lord. The resurrection comes to us when we, like Peter, like John, like Mary Magdalene, when we come to believe that Christ did rise and that we can rise too. We can walk out of the tombs which we have created and we can live in the joy of Christ's resurrection. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed.